Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you love us. And that you long to give us yourself. I pray, God, that you would be glorified in what I have to say. And that your people would bear much fruit. So that your name would be spoken of with great renown. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, my name is Bob Fabie. I am a priest in residence here at Living Faith. I have the privilege of preaching today. And I was inspired um, by Peter last week. Um, Peter started with a joke. And so <laughs> I'd like to start with a joke today. Whew. He started, so... Uh, three charismatics walk into a bar, and no, I can't do that joke, but I can, I can do this one. Okay. Uh, much, of, uh, much of the reading today had to do with fruit and bearing fruit. Did you catch that? And I was sent a gift of fruit. Right? Wow is a good word. And look, apparently... This sermon, I can't even do this. I can't get through this. Apparently, this apparently this sermon is about fruit. I'm going to a pear to know what I'm talking about and how the spirit appears in your life. Don't despair. (laughs) That is horrible. Aren't you glad I didn't make another church? <laughs> Gosh, it was so much funnier when I wrote it earlier. It's terrible. Could you just like text me and say don't next time? You'd be like, don't, don't. We've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit and what, what it means to be Christ's people and how God is at work in and among us. And how he gives us gifts. And Peter has done over the last few weeks what I think is one of the best um, summaries and explanations of what the gifts of the Spirit are. How they function among God's people. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to tell on him uh, one of our friends who was watching the series of sermons who has been in ministry for some time. Has said uh, that was one of the best jobs I've ever seen on that topic. And so we're really fortunate that we get to have Peter exercise his gift of teaching among us. And so it was wonderful. Thank you. And, and uh, to recap what he said, he said that God gives us the Spirit, and through the Spirit we are given gifts. They look like administration and apostleship and discernment and evangelism and exhortation and faith and giving and healing and helps Hospitality, knowledge, leadership, mercy, prophecy, serving, speaking in tongues, teaching and preaching, shepherding, wisdom, and joke-telling. It's in, it's there. He pointed out how some of these gifts are greater than others in, among the body of Christ, but all are necessary. And no one has all of the gifts, praise God. And some, the purpose of these gifts is to build up believers, not for comparison or envy or weird spiritual virtue signaling, but to create a community where Christ is the center 
And Christians are exercising their gifts for his purposes. And he just did a great job of helping us understand that. And then when I, I, I read about the texts for this Sunday, I saw that we were going to be, there, there was a theme about fruit. And so I said, hey, I think we need to preach about the fruit of the Spirit. It's likely that many people here in our community are found exercising their giftedness in, in the areas that they're gifted in. And so, so you have the opportunity to allow God to work in and through you in an area you're gifted in. The difference between gifts and fruits is that the fruit is what the gift is wrapped in. So as you exercise your giftedness, it is wrapped in the fruit of the Spirit, which looks like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, and gentleness, and forbearance, and goodness, and self-control. So the fruit of the Spirit, the work of God in our lives, is, is how the gifts are delivered. Does that, does that make sense to everybody? Hope so. So, when you turn and you, you start reading about um, the fruits of the Spirit, primarily you will find a, a passage in Galatians chapter 5 where Paul is talking about what it means to bear the fruits of the Spirit and what it means to be free in Christ. And so I want to look at Galatians chapter 5 and as an overview in order to help us with that. So what is Paul saying there? He says, you are free from the law of having to jump through hoops to receive the good news of Christ. You're freed from that. Now, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but to a first century Jewish person or a Gentile, it would have made a lot of sense because they were coming and finding out about this Jesus guy. And some people were saying, in order to do this, you've got to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. And that looks like the law that they had to fulfill as Jews. But the Gentiles were coming in and saying, well, I don't know anything about those laws. I'm just really excited about this Jesus guy. And I think we, we come in and we say, hey, um, I'm really excited about this Jesus guy. And we're freed. We're freed in Christ to follow him. But we come at it from not that I was under the law, but that we ourselves were slaves to our sin in a way that we maybe didn't understand until we met Christ. We're freed to do anything, but we, we put ourselves in prison by our choices, by our nature, and that looks like what Paul describes as the work of the flesh. And he makes a list of it. Envy, provoking one another, conceit, spiritual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, hatred, jealousy, fits of rage, and selfish ambition. Paul is saying, you were freed from those things. Don't go back to that because Christ set you free. Christ released the bonds, broke the chains, opened the cell door and said, run with me. You don't have to go there anymore. So for Paul in Christ, Christians can now produce a different kind of fruit. They're no longer slaves to sin. We don't have to act the way we used to. There's freedom in Jesus. 
And the good news is that there is a God who loves you more than you love those things. There's a God who has pursued you, and he's continuing to pursue you. And there's a God who has rescued you if you know who Jesus Christ is. And if you don't, he's coming for you. His nickname is the Hound of Heaven. He is chasing you with his goodness and with his grace and his mercy. And he's coming for you because he loves you. And he wants to pour out his grace and his mercy on you and your life. And he wants you to be found free in him. So God is this kind of God, and he pours out his spirit on his people so that we may experience new life in him. And part of that looks like gifts. Earlier in the book, Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. So I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live now, I live by the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God the one who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul is saying, listen, I was dead and Christ made me alive. I was, I was trapped, I was in jail, and he freed me. I was in sin and now I'm found in him. Very different things. And he said, I had no life and Christ made me alive. And if you have ears to hear, you'll, you'll hear, and what he's saying is in the book of Genesis, when God lumped man together with clay, and then he, he breathed into the clay man and animated him with his breath, right? And so Paul is now saying, I've been made alive with Christ. It's Christ's life in me. And if you remember in John, I think it's chapter 14, when Jesus talked to the disciples and he breathed on them, he's saying, this is my life that is now abiding in you. You had no life, I'm giving you my life. So here's something that you may not have thought of today. It's not your life. Bon Jovi was wrong. It's Christ's life in you. It's Christ's life. You had no life. He gave you life. The breath that you breathe is given by God. And as a matter of fact, it is God's breath in you when you have said yes to Jesus Christ. He's the reason we live, not just our motivation, but our very existence. So then it's really natural to think that we would produce his life in us. When you plant a pear tree, you expect pears to grow as a natural consequence. Yes? You plant any kind of fruit tree, you expect that fruit to come from that tree because it was planted. And it's Christ's life in you. Therefore, it makes sense that Christ's life would be produced in you. And what does Christ's life look like? Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness? Make sense? So God's life in us looks like freedom, and it looks like life expressing itself in love. It looks like joy, and it looks like peace, and it looks like the fruits of the Spirit, and they're naturally produced. We don't have to try to make it happen because it's Christ's life in us. And Paul says in Galatians, stand firm. Don't let yourselves be yoked again. Keep in step with the Spirit. 
So he's saying, you're going to produce what Christ looks like in your life, period. It's not what you think you should produce. It's not what you think the world needs to have produced. It's what God is going to produce because it's God in you by way of his Holy Spirit. The world doesn't need how smart you are. The world doesn't need your degrees. The world doesn't need your quick wit or your cynicism. The world needs what God produces in you by virtue of it being him. And he's eager to do that in us. So when we're freed as Christians, we're free to choose what we want. You think about this. When someone is free to choose and they choose to love you, that's pretty cool. You could could choose anybody and you chose me. That's pretty cool. When someone is, is free to choose to do anything they want and they choose to serve you, that's pretty cool. I mean, I can't, I can't believe that. And I think, wow, you got time to do anything you want and you're going to do that for me. Thank you so much. I'm grateful. When we experience humility and love, it's, it's beautiful. And when we're free to choose to be hateful and angry and we choose grace and forgiveness, isn't that a good thing? You see, this is what's weird about fruit. This, this orange is not made for the tree. The tree does not benefit from this orange ever. The orange is produced by the tree so that other trees might come. And the fruit is produced so that other things may benefit from the fruit. So maybe Bob comes along and picks an orange because yum, right? And I get to enjoy the fruit. It gives me nourishment. Maybe, maybe the birds have some fruit and they go on and carry the seeds and plant other trees. But the tree, the whole purpose of the tree bearing fruit is not for the tree. And I got to tell you, Christians, we're not good at this. We like to think that the fruit that we produce is for us. And the truth is, is that it's God's life in us so that other people may take the fruit from the tree that is God in us working in and through the lives, our lives. So somebody may come along and bump into us and what kind of fruit do they receive from us would be the fruit that God bears in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. But we don't allow God to work in us to produce this for me it's for other people to be blessed by and that's one of the purpose of the fruits we're going to take the tree we're going to water it we're going to prune it sometimes but we're going to enjoy its fruit and its shade maybe the sounds of the birds in it and it's Christ's life that naturally produces these fruits in us so how do we keep in step when Paul says listen God is doing a work in you how do we keep in step when the spirit, with the Spirit when that's what Paul asks us to do? Well, it looks like we have to remember. 
That's one thing. If you want to keep in, the, in step with the Spirit, you have to remember the way that God is with you and was with you and will be with you. That he was patient with you. Can you remember a time when God was patient with you? I hope you can. Can, can you remember a time when God was gracious with you? Or when he was merciful and he, he didn't just decide to punish you because you did something wrong? Can you remember a time when God was forgiving to you? You remember how he gently released you from your bondage? Remember the good news. Experience God's good news. We do it every week here. Rejoice in God's goodness to you. Talk about it with people. Had a lunch this week that was super encouraging because we got to talk about what Jesus was doing. Remember who God is. Tell people about it. I don't care if it's the teller at the store and you're being really socially awkward or if it's just your, your neighbor or a family member, but tell people about it. Man, I'm so grateful I'm not a slave to sin anymore. Sing about it. I don't, well, don't sing out loud. Like, I'm, my voice is bad. Maybe you don't sing very well, but sing anyways. It's joyful to the Lord. Write about it. Meditate on it. Chew on it. Give thanks to God for what he's done for you. Another way to keep in step with the Spirit is to surround yourself with others who are trying to do the same things. There's a reason that baptism happens in community. We have to do this together. There aren't Lone Ranger Christians. We've got to be together in this. So you surround yourself with people of like mind who are trying to go in the same direction because standing firm in Christ and staying in step with the Spirit is easier when we do it together. Look for ways in your life that you may be hindering God's work of fruit production. Are there areas where God's love and forgiveness and kindness and peace and gentleness aren't being produced in you? You see, think about it this way, Christians. We're great at receiving God's forgiveness, right? Are we as equally good as giving it away? It, it is the height of hypocrisy for us to receive God's goodness and not give it away. That makes no sense. We're not supposed to be containers that never give out. It's like a colander. We're supposed to leak God's goodness. So we have to receive those things so that we can then give them away. And if there's places in your life where you are inhibiting the fruit of God's work in you, stop it. Stop meditating on your old wounds. Stop blaming other people for all the things that have gone wrong in your life. Stop looking at your past and complaining about what's going on. Stop, whatever the thing may be. If you're ruminating on old wounds and old hurts, please stop. That's not beneficial. It will limit fruit production. Don't do that. Don't keep trying to pay for your sin. Ask God to show you what branches may need to be pruned from your life. Ask forgiveness for how you've hindered the Spirit's production. And ask God to show you how to cooperate with him. 
I mean, there's a lot of ways to stay in step with the Spirit. Exercise your spiritual gifts among God's people. You're, you're here, you're part of a body. How are you gifted? Exercise that gift. That's a way of staying in step with the Spirit. Don't just come here and not participate in the community. Pray for the fruit. Pray to experience God's love and mercy and his grace and his joy and his faithfulness. Ask him. He's really excited to do that with us. Here's another one. Glenn's decided to do something that he can do. He can make things. Glenn's really good with his hands. But he's like, hey, I can make this. You see this little thing? There's a little, I'm, I call them pocket prayers. I don't know if there's another name for them. But he makes these little things, right? And it's like, okay, cool. You, you've got the gift of making stuff. I'm really glad because I don't have that gift. And in it, in it is like, you know what this is? It's scripture. Well, you can stay in step with the spirit by, hey, take, take one of these. Put it, read, take it out and read it. Be encouraged by the scripture. Give it to someone when they're in need of encouragement. That's, a, that's really, that's low-hanging fruit, right? Fruit. Thank you for laughing. But it's there, and it's, I mean, they're sitting out in the thing. Just go grab one. You know, be encouraged. We, we make staying in step with the Spirit so much harder than it actually is. It's actually like dancing with someone who, who, who's the most masterful dancer ever. You let them lead. You don't come to the dance floor and say, oh, I, I, uh, hang on. You're not doing this right. You don't really know how to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. I do. So just follow me. No, we get in step with the Spirit, we dance with him in such a way that all of a sudden people look at our lives and they go, whoa, I want that over there. Because the fruit of the Spirit is so that God might be glorified when people see us and run into us. And it could be today that you see this act of obedience and that you haven't been obedient in baptism. And you may have all sorts of reasons. I don't, I don't know what that is. But it could be that God wants you to be obedient in baptism so that you may also produce fruits of the Spirit. Whatever God is calling you to, you are free in Jesus Christ to walk with him and to glorify him and to allow those fruits to be produced in and through you. Amen?